Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So um, I actually just want to uh, address uh, a couple of questions before we begin the next session. Um, the first, uh, so actually I was revisiting the questions that were sent over earlier, and uh, there was a question about making du'a for afiyah instead of making du'a for tribulations, and is that, is that okay? And we said that this is acceptable. In fact, that's what's recommended. Uh, another th question that might come to mind is, um, you know, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests those whom um, he wishes to purify and improve and things like that, uh, and if I don't notice myself being tested, uh, is that a problem? So uh, the, the answer to this is a, a, a fewfold. The first is that every single person will be tested. So it's not possible that we won't be tested. The second is that when we're in a state of comfort and happiness, and I don't, I don't use the word happiness, let's say comfort and peace, and we're not being tried, uh, the response is to be grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and hope that he doesn't bring us any calamities. It is not a sign for us that we're not doing so well if Allah Ta'ala doesn't test us. Meaning, you could think, well, I'm not being tested. I'm not, am I not part of those believers? Um, and that's not the case. In fact, um, what is the sign that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has disconnected himself from me? It's not that he's not sending me more trials and tribulations. It's that we'll notice ourselves and our a'mal and our deeds actually be disappear from our life. So that would be a tribulation. And that, that would be a sign that Allah Ta'ala is disconnecting himself from me. So for instance, if I lose my salah, if I lose my Qur'an, if I lose my attachment to the masjid, if I start engaging in various sins, those are signs of Allah Ta'ala disconnecting from me. Not necessarily that I'm not having a trial in my life. But it also is a sign when we're having comfort, we should be, we should be thankful, but we should anticipate that, look, a trial and a test is going to come. And it may be tomorrow, it may be the day after, maybe next year. But some difficulty is going to come my way. And I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives me the, the energy to be able to uh, engage in sabr. A clarification point also is we've highlighted the two or three things, the benefits that come from challenges and calamities, right? We talked about the three things that we get. It's important to understand it's not just the affliction of the calamity that allows me to reap that reward. It's not that Allah ta'ala afflicts me with this difficulty and now all of a sudden I'm now elevated in my rank. And maybe it wasn't clear earlier, what I had intended to say is that if those calamities are afflicted and then I exhibit patience and sabr, then I get those three things. Meaning a purification from sin, elevation in my ranking, things like that. So the response also does matter. Okay, so that's that. The second question that I think I misunderstood initially, but I think I understand now, and the question was pertaining to college and high school children and the constant pressure that they experience, and uh, how to explain to them that difficulties and hardships will come their way, be it in the form of you know, bullying, or maybe, maybe in the form of um, some psychological illness, or maybe in the form of uh, some other test that they may not see other people experience. And um, one of the things is, is that, unfortunately, as a community, we haven't done a good job of, um, of, of resilience training. And this is something that is important, uh, but having some system or curriculum in place where we actually train our children to uh, respond to difficulties and challenges in life. It's not something that the Muslim Ummah has really put much attention to. And even more broadly, look, when we're talking about responding to the hardships of children, we're already behind in our game. The bigger question is, well, how do we establish a state of wellness within our children so that they're prepared should a hardship come, should comfort come? 
Why is it that they should we should only be addressing it when some difficulty comes their way, but we haven't trained them to respond to positive things that they have in life and how to make sense of those things and what really is positive? So the bigger question is we've really lacked in our training of children when it comes to their sense of well-being and wellness in general. And a, a, and a, and a, and a consequence of that is that we see this difficulty. So I think it has to be a community effort, but something like this, I mean, there's no reason why uh, our youth can't listen to seminars like this and sessions pertaining to this. Okay, so I hope I've sort of addressed those questions. And again, if sisters have questions, we're taking them by note card only. And if there's time at the end of this session, we'll inshallah cover it. Okay, so let's continue. Um, I do have the text that I referenced in the prior session, uh, the 17 benefits of uh, tribulation. It's uh, here. This is a commentary. You may have seen it, um, but uh, I'll, I'll leave a copy. We'll leave it here if you want to look at it, and then I, we'll keep it on the sister side. I, I don't know about the commentary because I, I don't know the, um, the individual who wrote the commentary, but uh, it's something you could look at, inshallah. Okay, this next section. Okay, I, 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 this is going to be... Um, this is going to be a bit heavy, and uh, I, I hope uh, Allah Ta'ala allows uh, us to, me to convey it and for us to understand it in, in the right way. Okay. Being affected by calamity is human nature. Wisdom number six. Hakim al-Ummah, said, Human beings have been endowed with the ability to perceive and be affected by their own emotions as well as that of others. Therefore, to be affected and feel emotion in any affliction or calamity is completely sound and normal behavior for human beings. Okay, I'm going to repeat it. Human beings have been endowed with the ability to perceive and be affected by their own emotions as well as that of others. Therefore, to be affected and feel emotion in any affliction or calamity is completely sound and normal behavior for human beings. And then there's a poem that he narrates there, which, uh, the, which you can read. Um... I'm just going to continue reading, and then I'm, I'll try to elaborate on this. The heart, unlike sticks and stones, has the propensity to experience pain and sadness. So, it is not a sign of abnormality when something acts within its natural disposition. Rather, it is a sign of sound temperament. Okay? Look, we just mentioned here that calamities can be gifts from Allah Ta'ala that are meant to improve our state or improve our condition, and they are a manifestation of His love. So if I'm feeling sadness or grief or I'm crying over a particular circumstance, does that make me a bad servant of Allah? That's what's being asked here, right? That's the, and that, that's, what, that, that's the natural question that might come to mind. And Hakim al-Ummah is mentioning here that human emotion is natural. And we shouldn't confuse the response with human emotion as a lack of gratefulness or a lack of patience with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is really important to understand. Really important to understand. Because we see someone that's been afflicted with, let's say, the loss of a loved one, and we see them crying a lot about it, and we tell them, have patience, have patience, have patience. Because we're attributing their grief and their crying to them not exhibiting patience, and that's problematic. In fact, Hakim al-Ummah is saying, if you don't have emotions in response to these things, then that's a problem. Meaning we're human beings and we're weak and we have a, a normal temperament is one in which we feel emotion and we exhibit that emotion and that's completely acceptable and completely normal. This within the realm of norm. You know, the, the Prophet wasallam. it's a famous hadith, uh, it's a famous narration of the Prophet that when his son had passed away, 
When the Prophet's pen, his son had passed away, he grieved. And he even said that his, heart, that his eyes are, are wet with tears and his heart is grieving. And he stated that he will miss his son. Now you could say, but why? This is a prophet of Allah. Allah took his son away. It was his, you know, ultimately, it was Allah Ta'ala's choice to take away his son whenever he wanted to. He gave it to him when he wanted to. Why should it be acceptable for the Prophet to respond in this way? But this is what human response is. We're weak humans. We have emotions and we have responses that are appropriate. And the Prophet tells us it's appropriate. Or through his example, we learn it's appropriate. So we can't, we shouldn't be confusing an emotional response or a psychological response with lack of patience or with impatience or with ingratitude toward Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in particular, we should be very careful when dealing with people that have, that are, that are, that have been uh, stricken with affliction. Right? Sometimes we're like, oh, what's the big deal? Who cares if you just got in an accident? We don't know what that person's experiencing. For some people, they may involve themselves in what we think is relatively minor, but the emotional impact it has on them it could be very deep. And we're thinking, what's the big deal? That's insensitivity. Every human being has, a, has their own response, and we have to be very mindful of it, and we have to be very respectful of it and recognize that the deen fully allows for this. The deen fully allows for this. There are some people who, for instance, when um, they lose their job, they're really affected by it. And we say, what's the big deal, man? I mean, risk is from Allah. Just, you know, what's the... We don't know what they're experiencing. This person isn't questioning Allah. This person isn't questioning why it happened. They, they, they recognize full well what they're supposed to believe. But we blame them because, because we don't... Uh, we, we, we blame them because of their emotional response. And we attribute that emotional response to a particular belief system, which is in, incorrect. And it's insensitive. So we should be very mindful of this. He says, Imam Junaid uh, al-Baghdadi, rahimahullah, said, Al-insanu la yu'abu bima fi tab'ihi, innama yu'abu idha fa'ala fi tab'ihi. A person is not to be blamed for what is within his nature. A person is not to be blamed for what is within his nature. He is only blameworthy if he perpetrates that evil which his nature demands. So for instance, and this is a very deep statement, Look, um, the human being is created in such a way where we're constantly bombarded with different thoughts. Some of these thoughts make sense and some of them don't make sense. But the deen doesn't hold us responsible for our thoughts that come and go. Sometimes we, 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 we have thoughts that are so bizarre, we wonder what kind of servant am I of Allah? What kind of Muslim am I that I have such weird thoughts? or thoughts of sin and thoughts of this. But the deen creates space for that. It doesn't hold someone accountable for passing thoughts that come in and out of their brain. Ultimately, they know their belief system. So what we tend to do is we, um, uh, we become so focused, hyper-focused on this that we begin, to, um, we begin to blame ourselves because of thoughts that are going through our mind. That's not it, it, if that thought doesn't translate into some action, then that's it, it's just a thought. Thoughts don't have the power to produce sin or produce action. I mean, they, they, they can lead to it, but they themselves don't have any power. And the deen totally understands this. The deen totally understands it. So, yes, if, let's say, I've, I, I undergo some difficulty or some tribulation, and now the thought comes to mind, why did Allah do this to me? Right? Why? That, that's a thought. Okay? But then we know deep down inside, but look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who cares about me and he's doing what's best for me. Now, a few days later, the same thought comes to mind. And then you keep battling with that thought back and forth. You leave it. 
Let the thought come, let it go. It doesn't matter. We've already established that I care about what my Allah, my Allah cares about me and loves me. If shaitan or whatever my, 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 um, uh, my cognition just keeps throwing more and more thoughts at me, that's okay. It's okay. It's okay to have negative thoughts. Those the negative thoughts in and of itself are not a problem. They're not a problem. Just like positive thoughts are not necessarily a positive thing. They could lead to no action. What's the point? I could think about how great it is to praise Allah all day. And if I don't get on the musallah and praise Allah, what, what good did that positive thought have for me? And if I have a negative thought that I want to engage in zina or I want to engage in some other thing, and it didn't, and for years I have these thoughts and it never actually translates into sin, then what's the big deal? It's just a thought that comes and goes. So similarly, um, it's, not, it's part of human nature to respond to difficulties with grief. And that's completely acceptable, and the deen allows for it. And in, in some ways, it encourages it. You know, I'll give a couple of examples that come from the Qur'an that are, that are very interesting. When we look at the story of Yusuf, السلام, we mentioned it earlier. Now, when Yusuf السلام, now is the treasurer of Egypt, and we know that his brothers had come to collect food, and they brought, he said, bring bin Yamin back with you, right? He told his brothers, he recognized them, they didn't know who he was. And they said, look, if, if you want more ration of food, then you bring him with you next time you come. So they took bin Yamin back, and we know Yusuf السلام, saw him, and he said, you know, I'm Yusuf, and I'm your brother. Uh, and... Uh, he uh, sort of plotted and he had put something in his bag so that when he left, it looked as if Binyamin had stolen something. And when the guards were alerted to this, what happened? They said, look, he was trying to steal something. He has to stay with us. So what happens is the brother, we know the story? Okay. So now he, brothers go back to his father and they tell Ya'qub السلام, that, look, uh, it's happened again. You know, we already lost Yusuf the first time. They said he was thrown to the wolves. Now the, the, he trusted them with Binyamin. He was very reluctant to send Binyamin with them, but he let, he let him go. Now the same thing happened again. And Ya'qub responds in such an interesting way. The Quran mentions, anhum wa qala ya asafa ala Yusuf. min al Very interesting. The Quran responds, Ya'qub responds, when they come and tell him their dad, that look, we no longer, we also, Binyamin's also gone. And his, Ya'qub says, وَتَوَلَّا Oh, and by the way, keep in mind, in two places in the surah, Allah Ta'ala references the patience of Ya'qub He says, Sabrun Jameel. He says this twice, beautiful patience, which means the exemplar, the model of patience for the believer is going to be Ya'qub Because he's talking about Sabrun Jameel. And what does Ya'qub do? He turns away from his sons when he gets the news and he says, Ya asafa ala Yusuf. Oh, you know, how difficult this is or how sad or how sorry I am about who? Yusuf. Not Binyamin. Although he just lost Binyamin, Yusuf was gone years ago. Which means that the difficulty of losing Yusuf the grief that he was experiencing had still not left him and had been years, years, years later. Because a parent who loses a child never really gets over that child. And, Yusuf, and Ya'qub responds, although Binyamin is now lost, he's now being reminded of his, the, the loss of his, initial, of his original child. So you could say, no, 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 that's done. Allah took him away. It's been years now. That grief should have been removed from your heart. What kind of emotional? You shouldn't have an emotional response. You're a prophet of Allah. 
You're a prophet of Allah. And not only that, you're the exemplar. You're the model of patience because the Quran is saying sabrun jameel and he's responding with grief about Yusuf alayhi salam. It's acceptable even to have to recollect past memories of difficulty and if it brings grief to you or if it brings tears to your eyes. And the Quran says, وَبْيَضَّتْ عَيْنَاهُ مِنَ الْحُزْنِ That from this, his eyes welled up, became white. The scholars mention that either he, at this point, his eyes became so watery that it clouded his vision, or they became white in that he became blind. He became blind because he was crying. Not when Yusuf had been taken away. Much later. So people that undergo trauma in their life, they will potentially relive that trauma multiple times over again. And we have to be accepting of it. We have to recognize that our situation is not what their situation is. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't recommend and offer grief and trauma counseling and we don't encourage people toward thinking about things that are positive, but we have to have a sensitivity toward it. We have to have a sensitivity toward it. Another example that comes in the Quran that ties into this, Maryam salam, what happened when, when she got, went through an extreme difficulty? This is a pious, chaste woman from a pious family who at one point in her life... Um, she would sit in her mihrab and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would descend down fruits upon her out of season, right? So we know when the out of season fruit were being brought to her by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is someone who was so blessed by Allah. Then this is a, there's, there's two points here. One's coming to mind, it's tangential. Um, but the point I'm going to make is coming. This is someone who was so blessed by Allah ta'ala and was given all such comfort and luxury that according to the times was able to be given food without even having to move it was brought down to her. This same woman, this same woman now is undergoing one of the most difficult trials that any woman has ever experienced. Look at the extreme that Allah Ta'ala puts one individual through. Complete comfort and then complete opposite which is complete trial. Right? Now her trial was extremely difficult. It's different for you know, let's say an average woman to, to, to have to deal with an, an unplanned pregnancy or let's say, let's say a pregnancy that they don't wish to share. In her case, she's a chaste woman and now she's, now she's pregnant, right? Now she's pregnant. And now she has to go back to her people and her reputation is on the line. You know, I mean, it's not easy. I mean, if, 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 if we have a daughter or if we have someone that we know that's in this situation and who cares about their izzah, it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in. Every, all parties involved are very uncomfortable with this. So what does Maryam salam say? Allah Ta'ala has now afflicted her with this difficulty. And I'm using the word afflict lightly, but he's given her this, this challenge. You could say her response should be, okay, it is what it is. And, and she does say that early on. But look at the statement she makes later. She says, Ya laytani mittu qabla hadha. Mittu qabla hadha. Would that I have not even been alive. This is the mother of Isa alayhi salam, who has an entire surah named after her. And she's making, this, she, this thought is going through her mind, that this is such a difficulty, I never thought this would happen to me. And now it's happened, it would have been better off if I was never even alive. That's like a, a, a passive thought. That's, that's one of the clinical symptoms when you're measuring depression. One of the questions that we ask, or one of the questions that's asked is, do you have thoughts that it would be better off if you weren't alive? Or you have suicidal ideations. This isn't a suicidal ideation, but this is the thought that would be better off if I was alive. This is what's going through her mind. I wish that I would just be completely forgotten, like no one would even know I ever even existed. 
People that are in states of significant depression, this is the thought that goes through their mind. One, I wish I wasn't alive. Two, I wish nobody even knew I ever existed. And these are the, this is roughly what she's saying. Now, this is, it's natural. Now, does that mean that she lost trust and hope in Allah? Does that mean, na'udhu billah, that she was not a pious woman? Does that mean that she didn't think that difficulties come from Allah? No, of course not. She had all of these incredible qualities, but this was just showing that even the most pious of people occasionally have these sorts of thoughts when they're experiencing difficulty. So we don't blame ourselves and others based off of the thoughts we have, and we don't blame ourselves and others and think that they're not being patient based off of some emotional response they have. Now the sharia limits it, right? It doesn't allow um, screaming and shouting when, when some difficulty happens. It doesn't allow verbalizing some discontent with Allah. So it's not that I can say, why did Allah do this to me? You know, what was Allah thinking and verbalizing it? But if these passing thoughts come and they come and they go, that's okay. Ultimately, our belief is our belief in Allah. And we know that He cares about us and He loves us. That's it. And we end there. So, um, taking this into consideration, Hakim al-Ummah says, If a person feels, or depressed, feels depressed or is saddened by any affliction that overwhelms him, he is not blameworthy for feeling this way. However, if he verbally objects to the divine decree, th- meaning he's now translated that thought into action, then, and only then, is he ascribed any blame. Okay. Um, I think we're going to stop here.